0: Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more.
1: You're listening to the average conservationist podcast brought to you in partner with 2% for conservation. 2% for conservation's mission is to create an alliance of businesses and individuals that ensure the future of hunting and angling by committing their time and dollars to fish and wildlife. 1% stone glacier, and seek outside in giving at least 1% of your time and dollars back to wildlife. But it's not just for outdoor companies. Breweries, contractors, coffee roasters, and even piano repair companies have earned 2% certification and stand out as leaders in their communities for doing so. Businesses that are committed to conservation deserve your business when you shop. Learn more about 2% for conservation at fishandwildlife.org. That's fishandwildlife.org. Ladies and gentlemen, good day to you. Welcome back to the Average Conservationist podcast, and I am your host Marcus Ewing. All right, today with me I have two gentlemen from the great state of Michigan, um, Dan Nelson, Sebastian Alvarado, and they are with Two Percent Certified Local Outdoors brand. <clears throat> local Outdoors brand uh, is uh, much like the Average Conservationist is; a, it's a lifestyle apparel brand, and the the story. Behind local outdoors and and kind of the the evolution of where things started with the brand to where they are now, some changes that have been made, um, kind of from a branding perspective, and just to, um, and and Dan and Sebastian do a much better job um, going into this, but to something uh, a bit more all encompassing uh, in terms of the outdoors. Dan and Sebastian, uh, as I mentioned, Michigan guys here, uh, grew up over on the West side of the state and the two of them, uh, you know, have been, or were, um, you know, grew up together for the most part. Um, I would say <clears throat> apologies here. I'm, uh, I'm fighting this terrible cough and it really kicks in after about a minute and a half of talking. So I'm going to try and keep the intro relatively short here. Um, yeah, Dan and Sebastian uh, grew up and were were friendly with each other. Uh, they I wouldn't call them like super tight, uh, but they certainly knew each other. And then I think it was probably five years ago or so um, a random uh, exchange between the two of them on social media uh, has turned into um, just this. Crazy tight brotherhood bond uh, that that all kind of formed through the outdoors, and I'm sure uh, many of us listening, or many of you listening, um, have probably have some type of experience uh, along those lines where uh, a bond has has really been formed, a friendship, uh, what have you, uh, through the outdoors in in some capacity. So, uh, with that, uh, again, with the two of them growing up uh, as kind of lifelong uh, hunters and anglers and whatnot, uh, the outdoors and you know, spending that time with family is, is certainly something that's near and dear to them, uh, which is is kind of where the, the part of the idea behind uh, local outdoors comes from. And, and not only that, the the conservation piece uh, is certainly a, a big one for the guys. And it's I don't even want to to try to go into it too much because uh, we we take a pretty deep dive in and we spend quite a bit of time on it, which is. Uh, which was really nice. And it was, um, it was good to, to just talk about, you know, all the different reasons why, um, you know, conservation is so important to their brand. I mean, we've, we've certainly <clears throat> had those conversations with a lot of folks in the past. Um, but a lot of times I feel like maybe we don't, I don't get the opportunity to, to spend enough time. And a lot of that is likely my own um, doing. But we really wanted to, uh, to put an emphasis and, and put a focus on that, um, during our chat. Uh, so it, it's just, um, you can tell that, uh, these guys have, have been friends. Um, there was kind of a, an instant camaraderie, uh, between the three of us. And, and you can kind of tell like, as the, as the conversation goes on, uh, things, we certainly loosened up a bit. Um, not that it was, you know, stuffy or anything to begin with, but you just, we kind of find a groove here. Um, as, as the podcast goes on. So great conversation. Um, you know, one that, uh, I would certainly like to, um, to do again in the future, uh, when we get a chance to, so enough rambling. I said, I wasn't going to make this long and here I am, uh, episode one fifty four with Dan Nelson and Sebastian Alvarado. Enjoy. Uh, before that, <clears throat> before the conversation with the guys, I want to take a minute to tell you about my friends over at go hunt now is the perfect opportunity to to be scheduling, planning, getting ready for that uh that big p- perhaps fall uh out of state hunt, uh, whatever maybe it's a hunt of a lifetime, whatever it is. Uh make sure you are going over to gohunt.com, checking out the gear shop, picking up anything that you may need, boots, packs, uh, outerwear, base layers, whatever the case is. Also sign up to be a Go Hunt insider, sign up and, and, and get the Go Hunt. the Go Hunt maps, um, as far as a mapping system goes, um, I'm hard pressed to find a better one out there. So head over to GoHunt.com and help support conservation in the process. All right. From local outdoors, I have Dan Nelson and Sebastian Alvarado. Guys, how are you tonight?
2: Great. How are you? Hey, I'm
1: doing all right. I, uh, I appreciate you guys making some time. Sticking with me through the rescheduling process and everything. But uh another I, I kind of alluded to it before we started recording here, but another two percent certified Michigan brand. Um, I'm super pumped to to talk to you guys and and learn more about your story and about your your backgrounds, you know, why conservation obviously is kind of at the center point of of everything that you guys are trying to do, excuse me, with local outdoors. So Before we kind of get into the brand and kind of talk about the origin story there, why don't you guys tell me a little bit about yourself and a little bit about your backgrounds?
3: Sure. Sebastian. All right. So uh, my family's originally from Chile. My dad's family is. My mom grew up on a dairy farm in North Central Michigan. And when I was about two years old, my family moved from Chile back to Michigan. And since I come from half dairy farmers. I learned how to hunt and fish from them and fell in love with it and being outside, living in the outdoors. and uh, My family moved to Ludington in the early 90s, went to school here, grew up like anyone in West Michigan does on the beach all summer and in a tree stand all fall and then back on the steelhead waters all winter. And Uh, left for college and did that and, uh, started working and that's, you know, once you get through the craziness of the post high school college days, kind of reinvent (laughs) yourself and figure out what it is that you actually like to do with your time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So after grad school, well, actually it was during grad school to keep my sanity. I, I fell head over heels for bow hunting. And that became my main passion. And then when I finished grad school, I got a chocolate lab and I was gonna be the world's best offland hunter. And she was about, about 14 months old and blew her ACL out. So I went and oh. bought a new bow after I paid for her surgery and fell hard back into bow hunting. And Dan and I actually grew up together, went to high school together. We yeah. played high school tennis together. And we were always friendly. You know, we skied together on the weekends, but we didn't really hang out with one another. And I was actually living in Pittsburgh working in the oil and gas industry. And he uh, started following me on Instagram and sent me a message about how great it was to see me getting into the outdoors. I sent him a pretty terse message back like, man, I don't know where you've been, but I've been doing this my (laughs) whole life. And uh, so that's how we ended up reconnecting. And he came out to Pennsylvania and I showed him how to, weather the storm on the Pennsylvania public ground, chasing big public ground Pennsylvania deer. Oh, yeah. And uh, and yeah, he hasn't been able to get rid of me since. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I moved back to, left Pittsburgh, moved to Oklahoma, moved back up here in 2019. And uh, about the time I put the last box on the truck, Dan called me and he told me he was also moving back to Laudington. So yeah. it worked out perfectly. And so we've been hanging out constantly ever since and that's this is all part of the origin story too so
1: yeah no to, it's good it's good
3: <laughs> yeah. trying to not give too much of yeah. it away but i'll let I'll let dan tell the rest of it but uh since we both moved back here to Loddington, it's been just you know shooting bows in the side yard he's his him and his wife got a new farm a year-ish ago two, two years yeah, no, two, yeah? Well, oh yeah yeah it's been two oh yeah oh <laughs> either way <laughs> um and helping him get that set up to hunt on. He's helped me on the property I hunt. Just any excuse for us to be outside yeah. working on, working on habitat and chasing hundred and seven inch Michigan
2: yeah. white tail. There it is. <laughs> yeah, that's what we that's all chase tour, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so well, that's Sebastian's background. So you know, I too grew up in luddington and Sebastian gave a lot of uh, a lot of our background through high school and how we, you know, knew each other and and you know didn't necessarily hang out but we were always kind of in the same place um, my story goes with myself going to five different colleges failing out of a couple of them finally getting a degree and then joining the uh, army so I did uh, four years of active duty in the uh, United States Army and after I left the military uh, I came back to Michigan and I was working for a medical device company and that's actually when Sebastian and I started talking again was while I was working there uh, I was living in Kalamazoo and uh, driving back up here to be able to hunt, you know, I, my, I grew up, you know, we have a family farm, so we've got 50 acres that I grew up hunting and it's been, you know, my, that's been my place ever since I was a little kid. My dad used to take me out and, you know, he, he, he kind of kept with it after my brother had expressed some interest and then he had decided he didn't really like it that much. And my dad took me out, you know, when I was eh, probably nine years old. And, you know, one of his favorite stories is, being able to take me out at nine years old and I just loved it so much. I'd sit there and, you know, I'd be the one elbowing him to shut up when he was started snoring because (laughs) I didn't want the deer to get scared of it, you know? Um, At any rate, so moved back to Michigan. I was in the national guard for another three years while I was working down in Kalamazoo and kind of moved around a little bit here and there and then decided to move back up to uh, Ludington. And and again, you know, like Sebastian said, it was, uh, you know, we, we started hanging out again right after that and, it was really, uh, I think it was actually during or actually would have been just after our Pennsylvania trip while I was still in Kalamazoo that I started Shot Local. And Shot Local is kind of the, the origin story of local outdoors, you know, Shot Local, meaning, you know, I, I harvested this animal somewhere that is local to me, you know, not necessarily, you know, everybody always says, what, what's local outdoors? You know, what's local? Well, local's wherever you are local is whatever you care about wherever you grew up it could be the trout stream that you grew up fishing with your dad in the up it can be somewhere out west it can be wherever you care about that you've been going your lifetime and that you enjoy and that's one of the reasons why we you know stuck with this whole local theme is we want our our you know uh, customers to actually make recommendations on where our donations go so it goes to somewhere that they give a hoot about you know it it goes somewhere that they actually care about and are passionate about at any rate that's getting down the wrong line um so moved back to Ludington and like like Sebastian said we've been hanging out ever since and it was probably a year after we moved back you know shot local had never really gotten legs never really took off and and we kind of started talking about it we both said you know this is a really good idea it just needs a better execution. And uh, so we started, started with a new execution and, and started with the whole local outdoors theme. So, you know, we have caught local, shot local, camp local, hike local, drink local, boat local, all these different, you know, kind of sub brands underneath the local outdoors. And all of these different brands are what we're using to give back to different things that we care about, you know, whether it's, you know, we also have golf local, you know, we give back to, to high school golf teams we give back to conservation. We get back to all kinds of different things that we, all care about so anyway that's kind of how we got to where we're at and now we're chugging along
1: I love the the reasoning behind it because I mean I grew up in Michigan very similar upbringing to you guys where started at a young age you know with my dad mm-hmm. my grandpa with my uncle like all these things deer hunting upland bird hunting duck hunting all these different types of things and as I'm much older now and have a family and a wife and kids like that, like the whole idea behind like local and, you know, like I don't live necessarily where I grew up now. I'm a, I'm I'm from much further South, but there's this nostalgia that comes Mm -hmm. with like going back home. Like even if I'm not going to to hunt or to fish or or anything like that, like just being in that area, right. There's just something about it that just, all of a sudden, like you're transported back, like, you know, 25 years and you're like, holy shit, like, yeah, man, the times that I had here and like, and at the time, like, I didn't realize it. Right. And yeah. I don't know if you guys were the same way where like you enjoyed what you were doing. And it, yeah. Like it was cool, especially to spend time with dad and stuff. And maybe sometimes we did it begrudgingly because we wanted mm-hmm. to do other things like hang with our friends or just be a high schooler or whatever. But you get older. And yeah, that's when you start to realize, like, man, that was that was it. Like the, yeah. those were the good old days, so to speak, oh, right? Were.
2: Yeah. It, it's funny, you know, you touch on that, you know, going out with dad when you're a kid. Well, you know, getting up to our age, what about taking dad back out? That's what I do every yeah. year is now I own my own 50 acres and I bring dad out and I've got a, a blind that's set up for him. And honestly, my, uh, my sister was a, you know, a late onset hunter. She never did it as a, as a youngster. And when she started hunting, it was probably seven years ago. And her first year out shot her first doe and it was, you know, it's that feeling until my kid shot his first deer last year. That was the, the coolest deer I'd ever seen, you know, up until when he got his, you know, my son shooting his was obviously a little bit, a little more touching to me, but, uh, sure. you know, it was what taking her out. I, I never knew what my dad felt when he watched me shoot a deer until I watched my sister shoot her first year. I know it's just, you know, we want to share that with people and we want people to, you know, get to enjoy it forever. And that's one of the reasons why we do the donations back to conservation is so that all these things are still here for everybody years and years and years from now.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And for you guys who have been obviously doing this for a long time, and I'm just kind of curious if you, if you feel the same way that I do or you kind of hit that point, like, you've you've been hunting you've been fishing you've been doing all these things for a really long time right and certainly Mm -hmm. there's been highs there's been lows but for the most part like you could probably look yourself in the mirror and be like you know i've been pretty successful at this right like Mm -hmm. i've I've shot a lot of good deer or turkey i've caught a lot of big fish whatever the case is but you get to this point in kind of your outdoor journey right where you just have so much fun like it, Mm -hmm. it becomes much more about the pursuit than the kill so to speak yeah and like the the journey becomes much greater of a story than the destination. And you want to just share that. Like, it doesn't matter at that point, like how successful you're going to be. Like you want to share that feeling, Dan, like you were just talking about, like when your sister shot that deer, when your son shot that deer, like those feelings, those, those firsts are something that you can't really put into words, right? You just have to be there to see it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. There, there's no, there's no way to explain it to anybody you know, sharing that moment with someone you care about, you know, it it can be like Sebastian, he hunts with his wife, you know, it can be whoever you're, you know, you care about that you take out there and into the wilderness and and go fishing with, you know, I think it was, was it last summer, Sebastian and his wife both caught master angler salmon on the same boat trip. You know, how cool is that? Yeah. I mean, they both got to submit and they both got their patch and everything. and, And that's pretty sweet stuff.
3: We're very good at that.
2: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> so the, uh, moonlights as a as a as a first mate so
1: okay very good so <clears throat> it was what 2020 then when you guys kind of rebranded or was it when was it that you kind of shifted gears from shot local to local outdoors
2: end of 2020
3: yeah end of 2020 Yeah. by by the time the pandemic hit shot local was yeah kind of dead in the water and you know, 2020, no one had anything to do and we all had our little COVID pods and so we were in each other's COVID pods. So inevitably the conversation would turn back to that, that, you know, this is a good idea. That there there are a lot of outdoor lifestyle apparel brands and I get the sense that you, like us, like there's a lot of good out there. It's been cool to watch the pushback in the hunting community, kind of railing against the oh, you know, you shot a 140. Oh, why wasn't it wasn't a one fifty, you know. It it and there's especially being a fellow Michigander, yeah. I'm sure you also believe in the you know let them go to let them grow philosophy. But yeah. the really what pushed Dan and I over the edge to to really sit down and put ink to paper on on getting this idea going again was that the tides were turning away from the glorification of just the kill. Yep. And the part that seemed to be missing to us was the conservation aspects. Mm-hmm. I mean, how, how many kids, kids, young people, new hunters don't know anything about Pitt and Roberts. They have right. no idea right. what that is. And it's great that they're doing it. It's great that, that on un, no unbeknownst to them, their money's going to that, but how much more could we do if we could just shine whatever light we have onto that? And so that's when the conversation switched from just hunting because yes, I am a part-time first mate, but the hunting is still and always will be my passion. But then we started, it was that idea that had us go, okay, well, what do you do about fishermen who don't hunt? You Mm -hmm. know, for uh, that's such a hard concept too for Michiganders to, Grass yeah. because every one you meet in Michigan, they if there's an open season, they'll tell you exactly what time the sun rises and sets and yeah. what the, <laughs> you know <Yeah>. how big <laughs> this needs to be to be a keeper and that. And you know, it it's it's it was that might have been one of the most difficult things for Van and I to wrap our heads around is do we really need to do caught locals? Like does anyone actually really just to fish or can we just sell camo hats to guys that love to boat like us yeah yeah so it uh i lost my train of thought i I was going with this
1: no Um, but i I like that thought process because yeah i've said this before on the podcast is a lot of times i think michigan gets kind of slept on as far as like a state and what it has to offer for the outdoors because Mm I, I, and maybe it's just because people tend to look at the deer hunting and go, well, it's not Kansas, it's not Illinois, it's right. Yeah, like it's not some of these other Midwestern states, and I'm okay with that. But these other states don't have world-class trout streams, they don't have the Great Lakes, well, some of them Absolutely. Do. But, you know, we have great turkey hunting, we've got mm-hmm. great upland bird hunting, great duck. I mean, we have so much that you can, whatever you want to get into, we probably have that here for you. With, right. And, and we got... You know, elk for crying out loud. I mean, right. good luck drawing a tag, but yeah. you still have that option. Yep. So there's the idea of trying to encompass it all, like as best as possible, right? Like whatever you want to get into, whether it's hunting, whether it's fishing. You know, like you said, you know, like golf local. Like mm-hmm. I grew up golfing, right? And there's a ton of people who who love to golf, but you know, those guys who golf probably bow hunt or they rifle hunt or right. they fish, right? Like they're they're doing all these other kind of you know, more traditional outdoor recreational mm-hmm. sports, you know, like, like we do. And I, I think that there's a lot to be said about that, about trying to encompass and include all of these different outdoor activities that Michigan or, or any state for that matter mm-hmm. has to offer.
2: Yeah, that's uh you know, when I first started, the the idea was that I was going to choose a 501 C three, uh, you know, nonprofit in every state. And I was going to have a different design for every state. And I was going to be giving back to all these different places. And and that's, you know, I mean, it's really hard to scale that. So that's where the idea came from to say, well, let's let our customers choose, you know, like let's yeah. let's let them pick where the money goes, because ultimately what I care about is conservation. It doesn't have to be right here in my back door. It, it can be anywhere because conservation throughout the entire United States is what matters to me. And and it's educating people. It's getting people to see that it's an important thing. So, you know, that's, that's one of the things. And I want to touch on what you had said. There's so many different activities in Michigan that you can do. And this is going to sound like a a pure Michigan ad too bad. I don't sound like Tim Allen, Um, (laughs) but uh, you know, we have some of the most beautiful state parks in the United States. We have some of the yeah. most amazing hiking trails and, you know, if you get up into the UP, there's so much stuff you can do. And so that's, you know, like our hike and our camp local line, that's where that came in was, you know, we give back to the state park system. So that way, you know, when, when uh, the, what was it, the, uh, our state park had a building where the the roof collapsed yeah, and the friends of the Waddington state park, they are the ones who paid to fix it so it was usable last summer because it wasn't in the budget. So, you know, that's where some of our camp and our hike local money goes to is it goes to helping out the state parks. It goes to keeping areas, you know, usable and 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 beautiful and and you know just taken care of for everybody. It's not just hunting and fishing. It's it's outdoors, it's keeping nature natural, you know. Yeah. So whatever we can do to make it so anybody out there who wants to get outside can go get outside.
1: Yeah. Now, as as hunters, as we are, you know, we I mean, I think it's fair to say that, you know, hunters are are arguably the biggest conservationists that Mm -hmm. there are out there. And it's it's a weird dichotomy. And and we've all heard that argument for from people who maybe don't quite understand, you know, how we can call ourselves conservationists or how we can love, you know, love deer so much Mm -hmm. when, you know, we shoot two a year or three a year or one a year,
3: whatever. You, bump those numbers out. <laughs> you know yeah. you can get 10 no tags here, right? Yeah. yeah, no, you're absolutely
1: right. Um, but, no, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> um, shoot. So, at what point was it for you guys when, like, the conservation light kind of really went off, right? When you were like, you know, we've been doing this for so long and we've been, you know, quote unquote, taking from the land for so Mm -hmm. long. Like how do we start to get back to it? Like, was there a specific moment for you guys? Or was it one of those things that you were always kind of aware of? You try to do your part as much as possible, but then you started thinking, I think, again, you kind of mentioned like on a, on a much like more scalable Mm
2: -hmm. size
1: or, you know, a bigger scale. Like, okay, we can, we can do more than, than what we're doing now. Like what was, what was that kind of the, the turning point for you guys when, when conservation really became like the focal point of the brand.
2: So for me, uh, as the, the original founder of local outdoors, it, I would say it started in, you know, 15, 16, 17, somewhere in in that range. It maybe started in 15 and then kind of really grew into me wanting to do something. And by the time we hit 17 and then 18 is when I actually launched. Um, I don't know that there was a pivotal moment for me. I think it was, Becoming more mature and and realizing that uh, you know quality deer management you know is something that we should be doing for the you know when we're out there hunting you know I I prefer to you know take older animals so that way I can let the younger ones live a little longer um, and I I just kind of realized that somebody's got to be doing something and I, there's so many amazing organizations out there you know Sebastian right. and I are both on the board for Ducks Unlimited. And that didn't start until, what, two years ago? I think it was about two years ago. Flim flam yeah, in yeah.
3: Ducks Unlimited. Yeah.
2: Um, but, uh, you know, I, I always thought, like, man, I, I really want to get involved in one of these things. I really want to do something. I really want to, you know, make a difference. And that was where Shot Local kind of came from. And it was, you know, I was I remember I was at my dad's house, and his he and his wife were kind of helping me talk through some of the uh, – the ideas that I had—it was actually my my you know stepmom who came up with shot local because it sounds like shop local, you know, and you know what I had was a bunch of different ideas, and I just really wanted it to be that local piece because you know I, I obviously that's a huge selling point, and you know the fact that you're taking care of local you know places is, is right. really big. But um, that's when it hit me. I think it, you know it was just. I matured as, a, as an adult and realized how important it really is. You know, my son uh, wasn't my son at that point in time. He was, you know, my my wife's kid with her her uh, first husband. Um, so that wasn't really something that hit me as far as, you know, oh, man, I want it for my kid. And that's what is hitting closer to home as I get older and and through my marriage and through watching him grow up in the outdoors and enjoy fishing. I mean, the kid. Gosh, he loves to fish. It took him walleye fishing for the first time this year. Oh, it's killer. We had such a blast. Over on uh, the Detroit River, just absolute blast. Speaking of master anglers, I caught one that trip as well. At any rate, um, you know, it, it, it's just matured over time. Um, yeah, I'm looking at it. But that that's really what it's been for me is is it's uh, its matured over time. Just as It started as kind of like a little seed of I want to make a difference. And then it's turned into this over time, and I don't know. I don't know what yeah. Sebastian's.
3: Yeah, I. That's a really tremendous question, and I appreciate you asking it because I I don't think anyone's ever asked me that question, let alone in the context of local outdoors. I I think for me, having grown up around farmers, there's always in the back of your mind, a, an underlying respect for the land, yeah. and mm-hmm. as I as I grew into the outdoors and very proudly announced that I would never milk cows for a living (laughs) that, uh, you know, when I, you know, I grew up in Ludington and spent a lot of time in Macosta County and that's, I went to college in Ann Arbor and that was culture shock for a 17 year old freshman to go from everything I knew to that. And I, I can't tell you how many times in four years in ann arbor i'd be talking to people i knew and they'd say oh we're gonna do this that and the other thing this weekend and so i'm um, oh i'm they you, said, oh you're going home well kind of i'm going up north to go home oh my goodness gracious how on earth could you you know deer, beautiful well well have you ever eaten ann arbor. fantastic and yeah they're <laughs> trying to sterilize deer instead of kill them it's ridiculous yeah But either way, tremendous school, don't regret anything about it. But I had some weird interactions and I do think it's part of the story that I, that was maybe the first time I realized there are a lot of people who don't know what hunting and fishing does to Mm -hmm. make sure that they can get on their high horse about not hunting and fishing. You know, how many people don't realize what the annual deer harvest does to make sure that people aren't smoking deer on the freeway every time they leave their house. Right. Yeah. So yep. they're, yes. Deer are, they were here long before us. They'll probably survive an apocalypse, but left to their own devices, they will breed to the point where they eat the land barren mm-hmm. and yep. uh, then eventually starve to death, which is way worse than being, respectfully responsibly harvested by a hunter yeah, absolutely. and look at what's happening with kruger national park with the elephants that are migrating in there are other species that are trying to leave kruger national park in south africa because elephants are coming from the entire eastern side of africa because they know there's food there yeah and it it, it through all of that i i I realized that not everyone is doing just a little bit because if everyone did just a little bit for conservation, we probably wouldn't need Ducks Unlimited or the Mountain Elk Foundation, all great organizations. Yeah. And That's I don't a really think you would be doing what you're doing. I'm sure that we wouldn't be doing what yeah. we're doing because eventually I realized that, holy crap, Hunters and fishermen, we're the only ones that are actively doing this. Yeah. Whether we realize it or not, we're the only ones actively participating in conservation. So uh and just like Dan said, just like you said, I think there's a um, uh, the realization comes with some age and maturity as you grow into the into the the outdoors and you realize how much it's done for you as a person. The yeah. lessons it teaches are second to none. I mean, you can make yeah. a team sports argument all you want, but if you want to learn about patience, hmm. go ice fish. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. go sit in the
1: tree stand yeah. mid-October. Yeah. Then exactly. talk to me about patience. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Swatting
3: mosquitoes when you get in, yeah. shivering mm-hmm. to death when you get out. Yep. And and I think that uh you know, when Dan launched Shot Local, I was very, very excited about it. I know it wasn't the first hat order because we were in the middle of moving to Oklahoma. Yeah. I know. But that for me was kind of the light bulb moment that it doesn't necessarily take the RMEF or DU or the Rough Rouse Society or anything like that to make a big impact yeah. on conservation. And the the other thing that you've got me thinking about is I worked in the oil and gas industry from the time I was a junior in college until 2020. And say what you will about the oil and gas industry, at least we're not lithium miners. Um, they, uh, the, the last four years I spent in Pennsylvania, uh, the client I was working for was a pipeline midstream company. And that was the same time that the line five stuff kicked off in Michigan. And, you know, I, I hope that no one sends you or me death threats over line five. But <laughs> either way, one thing that a lot of people don't realize is that when oil wells get drilled and then reclaimed or pipelines get installed and then reclaimed, just how much good that does for the environment they're in and the wildlife that they're in, I... I was directly involved in about forty miles of pipeline in Pennsylvania, and to this day, I get text messages all fall from landowners I worked with, like "Holy cow, fish! You won't believe the deer I shot off your pipeline." Like, man, I haven't worked for them in five years, but awesome! <laughs> yeah. what, are, what are you doing next weekend? Can I come? Yeah, back? can I go back? <laughs> yeah. So, it, yeah, you
1: got some room it, for me?
3: Yeah it 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 was really kind of eye opening for me to see it that it, it wasn't just conservation organizations there are other industries that yeah. and i don't i'm not gonna say that the oil and gas industry goes out of its way to protect hunting and fishing and habitat improvement but the way the rules and regs are you know you can't just slam a pipe in the ground and call it right. good and kick some dirt over it it has to be reclaimed yeah they don't get their permits released until there's x percentage of vegetation growing on it and they they're not out there planting the same scots grass seed you put in your front yard the the mix my client used in pennsylvania was developed by penn state university for them for the region of Pennsylvania that they were in, not only so that it would grow, but so that it would give back to the environment. Because, you know, we might have to take some trees out here. Or we're cutting through ag ground there. And it, that was part of my, like, aha light bulb going off moment yeah. about conservation coming from so many different places. And so when Dan first called me and pitched, shot local to me, I said, I'm man, what do you need me to do?" He's like, "Oh, hold on, we yeah, <laughs> hold on."
2: I wasn't ready for
3: that big of a commitment, <laughs> right? So it, I again, I think, I think it's, and I, I do going back to what I said earlier. I think the tides are shifting a little bit on conservation. So over Memorial Day weekend, our local outdoor shop. Uh, Captain Chuck's 2, Ludington, Michigan, for all your hunting and fishing needs for anyone who's in the greater Ludington area. You're welcome, Scott. Um, <laughs> uh, they do a customer appreciation event, and and truly the owner, Scott Keekstra, has been, uh, when we rebranded and decided to really dive into this, we met with Scott and said, are we crazy? Like, do you think anyone is going to care about this the way that we do? Here's what we're thinking for products. And... I think his first words were, do you have room for more partners? We're like, oh, so you think it's a good idea? He says, Yeah. yeah. So, anyway, uh, over mo- this past Memorial Day weekend, he asked if we wanted to come set up a booth and be part of his customer appreciation event. And the last person we talked to was a 12-year-old kid yeah. who he was there because his dad is a charter captain and this young man first mates for his dad and they were just there you know, tire kicking its tackle shop on a holiday weekend. by would yeah, Right. And so he came up to us, and, and we talked to him for 45 minutes. Yeah.
2: And we were going to pack up at 5, and we didn't leave till 5.50. Yeah. Because he stopped by. I mean, he yeah. was, I don't know, I'll let Sebastian finish it. Yeah. It was amazing. It was such a cool experience. Yeah. So he
3: he asked the same question that we get at the outdoor shows and all the shows we go to. And he's like, so what's what's your deal? And so we give him an abbreviated <laughs> version of the origin yeah. story. And when we brought up conservation, his eyes lit up and he said, oh, my God, that's what an amazing idea. I don't think enough people are talking about this. Yeah. I don't think that people realize he brought up. I don't think he could have called and Roberts if his life yeah. ended on, but he brought that up. And and that's really what spurred the conversation that we ended up having with this uh young man and it as dan and i were loading the truck to leave all we could talk about was how when we were that age conservation was the furthest thing from our minds like come on november 15th i just want to shoot it that's it so uh again i think i think we're we're all of us that are focused on conservation i think we're in a unique spot in time where even even, you know, 10, 11, 12 year old kids know what conservation is and they're excited about it and excited for ways that they can be impactful too. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, that's Sebastian, you bring up such a great point there. And I've, I'm going to sound like a broken record because I've, I've I've talked about this with a lot of people in the past, but there's this changing of the guard when it comes to the outdoors, right? Like guys like us, Uh, you know, kind of like our our age demographic, like we're we're kind of becoming at the forefront of the outdoors, of hunting, of fishing, um, of conservation. And I think that for all that social media is, I mean, there's really great things about it. There's really shitty things about it, right? Um, The good things are certainly that you know this young this young man that you guys had the opportunity to speak with for at your at the at the customer appreciation day there he I'm gonna go out on a limb here but he's probably grows up in a family who likes to hunt or to fish oh, yeah. um, and you know like most young kids he's you know probably on social media so he's getting if he's you know I guess following or you know tuning into kind of the right people in the industry, like he's getting a, a strong dose. I know that's sound anywhere.
2: He gets, <laughs> <a> str- <laughs> he,
1: he's getting a strong dose of like that conservation message, right? Yeah. Because, you know, I think back to when I was a kid and, you know, my dad, you know, he did everything from tie his own flies. He built his own drift boat. I mean, he did that's all true. these things for fly fishing. I mean, he was, he loved to hunt. Like he just, he became super obsessed with whatever it was. Um, you know, what, whatever pursuit it was. And we never talked about conservation right now, if we were at the boat launch, it was make sure everything's out of the boat. We don't want anything flying mm-hmm. out, leave things better than you found it. Like we talked about it indirectly.
2: Right. right. But
1: the, that word conservation was never like, Hey son, this is what conservation is. Right. Like that, that wasn't how it is. And I think that as, as time goes on, as social media becomes more prevalent, as, you know, guys like us are are getting our kids, our friends into the outdoors, like those conversations, I think are a little bit more readily available. And there's other things out there like social media that can kind of echo those same things that we're trying to teach the next generation, you know?
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, that's, that's so true. That's, and I think, you know, part of what our, our main mission is not only to give back, but it's to educate. It's to, you know, let people know what they can do to, to help. And, and you know, I mean, that's probably the most, And I, like you said earlier, it sounds like a broken record, but that's the most important thing to us is to be able to give back and educate and help people realize how important this is. So it's still here. You know, when we're dead and gone, I want it to still be here when my kid has kids and you know I've got grandkids around. I want it to still be here because mm-hmm. that's what matters. And and it's just one of those things that uh, you know I think generations kind of don't think about it sometimes. And then as you know, as you touched on with social media, you know our generation is is kind of like the what what is it the beginning of the social media age maybe yeah. like. A little bit late onset, you know. I'm, I'm almost 40, so I'm not. Yeah, uh, yeah, I didn't grow up with internet, and you know, social media didn't exist until I was a little older. Um, yep. But you know, having folks like us out there promoting these ideas is what gets kids to see it and realize how important it is. And and to you know to touch on Sebastian's comment about the that young man that stopped by. He said, "How cool is that? Like, that's amazing. I love what you're doing." And for a kid who's twelve or thirteen years old to really grasp that, and I don't, you know, my son would grasp it because I I preach it. But this kid, you know, what I mean, he just thought it was the coolest thing in the world that we're giving back, and and that's you know, that's what we want people to realize is is it's not about us, you know, making a buck. It's about us making sure we can protect these things that we love.
1: Yeah, no, that's that's very well put. So in terms of <clears throat> kind of sticking with the conservation team here, how did you guys kind of first learn or find out about 2% for conservation?
2: Well, that was uh, the first podcast that we did, and I would not recommend anybody <laughs> listens to it because we had terrible audio, but it was actually with the, the OKest Hunter guys over in Wisconsin. Um, yep. You know, we did it remote and unfortunately the audio is not great on it but we touched on a lot of great things and and they were the ones who kind of said hey you know you should check this organization out and uh, we got in touch with them and I believe it was Jared is it Jared Frazier yep yeah so Jared uh, you know we emailed back and forth a couple of times and he set up a call and you know Sebastian and I got on and talked with him and and it was just an amazing conversation you to to hear that you know, he's doing what he's doing in order to bring all these businesses together to make a bigger impact. That's a huge deal, because when you think about how much is actually coming in from the bigger brands and the smaller brands and all everybody in between. That's how you make an impact bigger than the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, bigger than, you know, Ducks Unlimited. And that's how you make an impact for, for all the, the folks that are out there. You know, all the uh, the consumers who are buying product is, is they see all these different brands being a part of this. So then they, they respect it even more. And, and, you know, I mean, it, it's been great for us because I think we've had a, a number of folks who've stopped by more we at a trade show or something like that. And they see the 2% and they say, well, what's this? And, you know, we kind of tell them about it and we say, you know, we're committed to making sure we're, we're following these rules and and we're donating this much back and, you know, we're giving this much time back. And, and I think it hits home with a lot of folks that we, that we talk to at these events. And, and some folks, it might blow right over their head. They don't really care. But it doesn't matter because they heard us talk about it. And the next time they hear about it or the next time they think about it, they're just going to have a little bit more respect for it because they've heard it over and over again when they've been seeing these types of brands out there.
1: Yeah. No, that's you bring up something really, really kind of important about 2% and how they're bringing all these brands. I mean, when you kind of look at the, the totality of an organization like 2% mm-hmm. to if you can kind of be mentioned in the same breath and the same conversations as, you know, organizations or companies like Sitka, yeah. uh, Stone Glacier, Go Hunt mm-hmm. and to know that even though, you know, companies like Local Outdoors, companies like the Average Conservation, these small, you know, one two man companies who are we're trying our damnedest to do what mm-hmm. we can for conservation but to be mentioned in the same breath with them, I think, is is something really cool. And that's what's – it's really cool not just because you can kind of put yourself in that same class to a degree when it – or mm-hmm. you can put yourself in the same class when it comes to Absolutely. the efforts and the things that we're trying to do for conservation. Um, now, the financial thing, I think it's it, – Jared talks about this a lot, when, especially when he's on. He's – you know, he always says conservation isn't a competition. And I really agree with that because, yeah, yeah there's no way – guys like us could compete with, you know, what Sick is doing or anything like that. But at the end of the day, if throughout the course of the year, if you can donate a thousand bucks, $2,000, something like that, like, Absolutely. that's awesome. I mean, that's, huge. Yeah. that's $2,000 that, or a thousand, however much that, you know, these three or four, or however many organizations didn't have prior to that. And that's mm-hmm. going to help them continue their mission. And that mission is important to, to you guys to your customers mm-hmm. and that's i mean that's what conservation is right there and it's such a mm-hmm. it's such a cool thing to see
3: yeah right and i think one of the most unique things about two percent and i it floored me to see is they don't care if you're sitka or you're a steel company or you're a you know a candy Animal store repair or company on island it they they don't care who you are or what your business is, as long as you have a conservation mindset, a conservation goal. And yep. I I I don't know if I've even told you this story. I'm not sure if I should admit this out loud, let alone <laughs> to the listening public. But Dan's telling me about this, and I'm going, Dan, nobody cares about this. Like, no nobody. <laughs> like there's enough companies and they're yeah. all everyone's making camo, Dan. And so When I pulled their website up and I I think I did the same thing you did and how you found us, I went to Michigan and the very first company I clicked on is a manufacturing company. And I thought, I wonder what part they make for, you know, browning or whatever. And they make automotive parts or something. I don't want to say weird. It's just, it's a normal everyday industry. Yeah. Uh, that has exactly has nothing to do with hunting it's you know it's not a downrigger company it's but the the owners the top of that corporate food chain said you know what this is something that we care about it's something that we think our employees care about Mm -hmm. so we are going to make sure that every year we give back two percent to conservation and and another unique thing about it is That, yes, there's always going to be a financial part of it, but the more and more you dig into 2% for conservation, the more you realize they care more about you actually putting boots on the ground and going and and making a, a difference that people can see and touch and feel and experience. And there again, from a conservation standpoint, I think that's the most impactful way to reach people who aren't dyed in the wool hunters fishermen outdoors folks is being able to say we did this we cleaned yep. this public beach something tangible stream or yep. because then it's there for everyone to enjoy the way that teddy roosevelt had it in his head when he set up the national park system it's for everyone it's not just yep. for hunters. it's not just for fishermen it's for the people to yep. go experience it
1: yeah Without getting sidetracked too much, you know, it's interesting when, if you go to fishandwildlife.org, 2%'s website, and you look at all the different brands, and Sebastian, you're right, there's, I mean, it doesn't matter, I mean, I've had companies who repair pianos, I've had real estate agents, Uh, I mean, I've had traveling veterinarians, excuse me, Uh, I mean, it's just... This wide right photographers um, that that see the value in the outdoors or have some mm. connection to the outdoors and want to continue to give back. You know what you don't see a lot of? You don't see any bow manufacturers.
2: <laughs> no. You don't
1: see any any big name firearm manufacturers, mm. which is always surprising to me. Um I don't want to bash people because I mean I, you know, like I use a bow, I use a gun. Yeah, you know, I mm. you know, I I'm still gonna use these these things. But it, it always kind of surprises me that you have, for the most part, like, well, if you look at a bow, you have a bow that's designed for, I mean, either target archery or for hunting, right? Like, those are kind of right. your two categories. And I would say there's a, probably a lot more hunters than there are target archers out there yeah. when it comes to using bows. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and there's not a single bow manufacturer up there. I, I don't know why that kind of sticks at, sticks in my craw a little bit sometimes when you know, you, you know that I don't know, over half your customer base is using it for hunting and you're right. not giving back or maybe you are. I don't know, but I don't know. I just thought that was kind of interesting.
3: I have I have some offline thoughts that I'm willing to share with you about this, but <laughs> That's fair. I don't think it'd be good for any of us to bring it up. That's fair.
1: Yeah. So I, you guys have both kind of talked about this throughout the course of our conversation here. When it comes to donating your funds back or, or spending your time with getting the boots on the ground, like you just mentioned, how are you guys deciding you know where, where those donations go, um, you know, where you're going to volunteer your time at? What, is, what does that process kind of look like for you guys?
2: We, we came up with the concept that, that we want our customers to choose where the money's going. And that's really to speak to our, the local piece of our brand. And, and that way they know it's going somewhere that they care about. So the, the first major donation that we had was kind of like from when we started and, and way into, uh, what was it, 22, um, yeah. we, we did a drawing. And it was just one of those random spin-a-wheel things on Instagram. And I put everybody's, you know, like first, first name and, and last uh, initial. And uh, everybody who was a customer of our online store, it was entered into that drawing. You know, we did posts about it, told everybody about it, did the little drawing thing, and and it ended up being uh, one of our friend's moms who had purchased some hats for family, so she got to pick where that money went, and so she chose the uh, t- uh, Tennessee National Wildlife Federation. Okay, and and so that's something that's local to her and to her son, and you know who are who is you know our friend. Um, which is really cool. But what we have on the website is we actually have a uh, recommended donation. What do you have? Is that what it's labeled as? Yeah. So it's, you know, uh, a recommended donation spot or whatever. You can actually click on that and submit where you think the money should go. So our, our most recent donation went to the uh, Hennepin state park canal. Restoration, restoration project. I I, I can't remember the exact term, but that came from somebody who actually heard about us on the OKS Hunter podcast. And, uh, you know, they they listened to us. They heard about our thing, thought it was really cool. They bought a hat and they said, hey, I, this is where I think you should donate to. And, you know, they told us a little story about it, kind of gave us some background. And and we encourage that because we want to learn about all these places that are doing great things for the outdoors, doing great things for, you know. The. Natural resources we care about, so uh, you know we we encourage our customers to submit those. And you know if we don't get any submissions, we'll we'll pick something. Um, you know when I first started, it was Michigan United Conservation Club here in here in Michigan. Yep. Um, and you know again back to what I originally wanted was to have a, an organization that was like MUCC, but in every state. Well, this is a little more personal to our customers. This is a little more you know it it touches them because they know hey i've i've made this recommendation i think you should give it to you know my local ducks unlimited chapter right whoever i don't care who you submit but submit something that you think is worthwhile and tell us about it and tell us why because we want to make sure those underfunded organizations receive the money that they deserve to receive
1: yeah i love that idea because it sure. it, it it takes the the whole local aspect of the brand Uh one step further right i mean the idea behind you know you know getting out and enjoying the outdoors locally wherever that is to to whoever your customers are but then you're almost putting like onus back on them to say hey what's important to you guys i mean you're Mm -hmm, supporting our brand and our mission Mm -hmm. but we also want to support you in in your efforts so you know you tell me what's what's a, what's a cause that's important to you you know why is it important what does this organization do hey that sounds great we would love to help support them because you supported us mm-hmm. and i think that's it's such a a great way to stay engaged with with your customer base and and also help a lot of these cuz i i'm i'm going to go out on a limb here but i'm i'm going to assume that some of the organizations that are either recommended or that you've already donated to are very small organizations, right? It's not RMEF. It's not D, even though you guys are on the board for DU, it's not DU or Pheasants Forever or Trout Unlimited or something like that. Like it's, it's these small ones who are, you know, kind of making it their life's work to, to, to keep these natural resources, just that natural and beautiful. And they just, they need funding to, to continue their mission. And, you know, it's guys like you who, who are allowing them to do that. So good on you guys. I think that's great.
3: I always always feel bad being a DU, local DU board member, because we inadvertently end up bashing on DU. Dan and (laughs) I are both life RMEF members. It's not that we don't believe in those causes. We absolutely do, or we wouldn't... I don't think we'd be where we were at if we didn't believe in those organizations. But one of the biggest differences is the discrepancy. Uh, And I... And here's my plug for RMEF. I can't wait until I get my Bugle magazine. And one of the first things I always read, it's usually towards the back, is their their conservation update. They do multi-million dollar projects in places that desperately need it. They're they're truly doing unbelievable work. But what about... like? um, When the Ludington State Park building had a roof collapse and the state of Michigan, God bless them, said, oh, maybe in next year's budget. Friends of the Ludington State Park rallied the troops and they got it done so that it was ready to go for the next season. For anyone who listens to your podcast who doesn't know what Northwest Michigan is like in the wintertime, it's terrible. So nobody's here. But in the summertime, everyone's here. So if something in our state park is shut down in the summertime, people might not come back. So to be able to shine a, a spotlight on smaller organizations, <clears throat> lesser known organizations that are, are that share our same vision and mission is uh it's really a neat opportunity and and having the conversations that we've had with people at trade shows that contact us through social media random people that stop me at Meyer when I'm wearing a hat to ask me where I got it 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 it's really eye-opening and it's it's humbling to know just how many people share this same vision but I think The more of those stories I hear, the more people I talk to, the more I realize there are so many underfunded, unrecognized, unknown organizations that are trying to do some good at a local level. And it's not that the RMEF or DU doesn't care about them. It's just not on their radar. Right. Right. Because they can use their big funds to do big things for all of us that impact the entire atlantic flyway or the entire central flyway or this entire region of elk habitat but what about the local trout stream that is littered who's gonna go yeah. clean that up yeah you, you hope that everyone who goes and fishes there grabs a piece of trash takes it with them when they leave but not everyone does that right, right. so if we can do just a little bit and clean up a hundred <laughs> feet of a stream somewhere neat we can do that i everyone's busy Every that's the world we live in if you're our age you're busy raising kids you got a job you've got these side businesses too everyone's busy but everyone if they just do a little bit they we can all accomplish more and make sure that when dan's boy is older he can take his kids to the same places that dan takes him now to hunting fish yeah when my my son's two so we got a little ways to go but uh i also he loves seeing deer in our backyard but i still haven't been able to teach him that if you scream deer at the window it's to <laughs> make them stay around longer <laughs> but i i want him to be able to go hunt the moraine state park in pennsylvania which is 45 minutes north of pittsburgh that's a huge city yeah it would be very easy in a few years for Pittsburgh to just swallow that part of the state up and say, well, this is, you know, these are condos now. Good luck. Yeah. Oh yeah. And it, it, nothing would make me happier than to be able to take him out there and say, Oh, this is where daddy missed the 170 inch public ground deer at 22 yards because he panicked. We want to make sure that, that places like that stay open and accessible to hunters, fishermen, bikers. That was the worst part about Moraine is people on bikes just <laughs> randomly like through there. Hey, what are you doing? Trying to what be quiet. What does it look like?
1: Mind your business.
3: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Keep paddling.
1: You know, it's uh a and, and that it's a really good point, Sebastian, because you know, if if let's say, you know, you guys have a, a goal to to donate next year or this year, whatever, right? Just arbitrary numbers. And you're trying to decide where you want to donate that money, where you want to give back to. And yes, you could donate to one of these, you know, one of the biggest organizations out there like RMEF, like DU. And that's awesome. I mean, you guys contributed. That's great. There's nothing to hang your head about, but if you don't, Du, army, like they're going to be fine, right? Yeah. They're still going to complete their mission or continue moving their mission forward. However, you know, friends of the Ludington State Park, or you know, any of these other small organizations, that five thousand dollars that could help keep you know a seasonal employee who's in charge of you know cleanup projects on the books and get right. you know all this work done throughout the course of the summer, or you know, it could help fully fund you know some project they have that they're you know kind of trying to accomplish on a shoestring budget and yeah that's i think that's where companies like ours especially like yours can can really make a difference when you 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 really kind of lean into that local aspect and 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 give back where it's really truly needed and again i i applaud you guys cuz i think that's absolutely the best way to do it
2: thank you we we really appreciate that you know it's it's hard to get the message out there, but that's exactly what we're doing here right now is trying to get yeah. that message out there so everybody can can learn about it and understand why it is we're doing what we do. They can hear the passion when we talk about it. And um, that's that's one of the things we, you know, we really want to impress upon people is it, it's a passion for something that we truly believe in, not a passion for making money you know we yeah. we don't care if we we make a dollar on every product as long as we're giving a dollar for every product that goes out the door you know for us it's about taking care of what's out there that you know i mean we're not making any more land there's you know we're not nope. we're not it's it's not a commodity that can be built it's something that has to be preserved and conserved so that's what we care about and uh, i do have to i don't, I don't know if you're going to cut us off here shortly but one of the cool things, and I apologize, I've kind of been silent here for a second because I've been trying to make sure I had my information correct. But one of the cool things about, you know, 2% for conservation, we were talking about that a while ago. Not only, you know, is it is it monetary or, or giving up your time, um, you can also give products to places that, you know, might not have... Been able to afford those that they can go sell and then you know fundraise with, and I yep. just wanted to do a quick shout out. You know, so one of the things we did was we we sold a bunch of our hats, and we actually did a, a special custom run because this is down in Florida. So the camel hats and and the darker you know colors that we have didn't necessarily fly down there. So we did some colors that were you know a little more tropical, if you will, uh, for the Greater Pine Island Alliance. Uh, it's a friend of ours from high school. Um, you know, after the hurricane came through, it kind of destroyed uh, everything down there. And, and what they're yeah. trying to do is is rebuild that. And so again, just speaking to the things that we can do through 2%, and, and I apologize for bringing it all the way back to that, but speaking no, to the things we come, that we can we do through 2% certain. is, you know, it's not just giving them money. It's, you know, we, we sold them at a discount to make sure they could make money. And, and you know, our cost is covered and and they get to sell it for, you know, our retail and all that money is theirs, you know?
1: Yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, obviously local outdoors, the average conservationists were very similar brands and I love that. Right. I think that the message that, that both of us are trying to convey resonates with likely a lot of the same people. Yeah. And I think that that's great. So you and I, I mean, we both know like the, the unit, the number of units that we would have to sell to really like, really make some money yeah. for for us like you, we got to do we got to pump those numbers up right yeah. like you said yeah. earlier sebastian yeah, but, yeah like people off, often ask like oh like how's the business doing i'm like oh, it's good you know but i sell hats and t-shirts and sweatshirts and i make x amount of dollars off of each piece of item and so much goes to conservation the rest of it goes right back into making new designs and buying more stuff, right? Like that's, it's just kind of like this self-funding thing that essentially we're just using it to raise money for conservation because that's what, that's what we love. I mean, that's what's important to us. And if that means that, that that's what we have to do, or, you know, we, I I, I get the opportunity to talk with other cool people who are very like minded and Mm -hmm. and share the same interests, like, and it spreads awareness for conservation. Like that's a win Mm -hmm. for me. You know what I mean?
2: Definitely. And you know, the, the beauty of, this industry is, there's room for all of us. Absolutely. You know, there, there's room for every one of us. There, uh, what's the public land tease? You know, yep. I, I thought Damn. their concept was just killer. And, you know, other people say, well, you know, aren't they, aren't they selling product and taking money out of your pocket because they're a competitor? No, I don't care. They're still giving yep. back to the same thing I'm giving back to. Yep. So, and there's so many consumers out there that, that are willing. And, and, you know, what we touched on earlier, that this generation that we're in really cares and we want to pass that on and we want to teach our kids and we want to, you know, pass it on to the the younger generations. So for us to, to have a little bit of our, you know, expendable income go into something like this, that's great. And, and there's, you know, buy a shirt from them, buy a shirt from us, buy a shirt from you, buy a hat, whatever. It doesn't matter they're going to find something they like, something they care about from all of us and yep. they're still going to go out and 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 be a customer for for everyone. There's there's just so much room in this space and to have more and more companies like us giving back and and becoming a part of, you know, 2% or what maybe they're not a part of 2% but they're giving back whatever it is. Yeah. All these companies want to give back and there there's just there's plenty of space for everyone to operate and and still you know, continue their mission. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. That's the thing I, and you guys have have certainly probably found this or realized this over time is that you're almost going to have like three types, three types of customers. You're going to have one who love the mission and want to support it that way. Mm -hmm. You have people who are going to buy your products because they like you guys, right? Right. Like whether it's friends or family or people you meet at a show, like you guys just hit it off and they like that. Then you have people who are just going to buy your stuff because they're like, that's a cool shirt, right? Like, yeah. I don't know, like they don't care about the mission. They don't care about, they just think it's a cool shirt. So they're going to buy it. And everyone's money spends, everyone's money's green. It right. all goes back to conservation. So exactly. however someone, you know, lands on, on, on your brand, like, Hey, your money spends in conservation just as, as well as anyone else. Yes, you know exactly. what I mean?
2: Yeah. Yeah, so, absolutely.
1: Guys, before I let you get out of here, I know we're, we're, we're over an hour here and it's, no, that's all right. Okay. All right. Good. Good. We're, I mean, let's call it summer, right? I mean, I don't know about you guys, but my kids' their last day of school is tomorrow. Okay. Um. So they're, they're we're we're into summertime. Yeah. Which means we're real close to fall. What do you guys got in store for this coming season?
3: We have product wise or hunting? No, no, no. Like, (laughs) like what kind
1: of like what kind of hunts you
3: guys got coming? Oh yeah. Anything big? We drew Kansas tags again this year. I'm just going to end this now. Hold on.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, that's exciting. uh, We're
2: very excited about it. The last time we went, so Sebastian's been going for a number of years and not every year, but you know, on and off, et cetera. And uh, the last time we went, uh, Sebastian and the other fellow we went with both tagged out and I was last day, you know, final sit and just nothing. I just couldn't get anything to come in. And, and it's funny being a Michigan hunter. I, man, I can't judge a buck. If it's got <sighs> 10 points, if it's got eight points, I'm super happy. You know, yeah. and I, it, it's, it's really neat. It, one of the cool things about sharing this experience with a friend is that they can teach you. So through my friendship with Sebastian, you know, he's shown me deer or we've seen him on the side of the road and he'll say, how, how old do you think that is? Oh, it looks like a three and a half. And he's like, "Well, it's actually a two and a half. And here's why. And and that stuff I didn't care about until again, back in that like 17 timeframe, you know, it's something that didn't necessarily matter to me because I was a, I was a Michigan hunter, man. If it was Brown, it was down there it and, is you know yeah i mean where we're at right now we have, oh, have you know. <laughs> my neighbor <will>. exactly
1: <laughs> yeah and,
2: you know it's it's really cool to be able to share that stuff with friends and family you know like uh, from what i've learned from sebastian i've been teaching my sister and my dad and you know i teach my son and and it's really cool the community that we have because Throughout the hunting, fishing, outdoor community, there's so much knowledge and there's so much, you know, information that can be passed and shared that, yeah, I mean, there are people who have forgotten more about hunting than I'll ever know in my life. Oh, yeah. And and I love talking to them because I'll learn something new. And I think that's one of the really cool things that bonds all of us as outdoors people is that we're always sharing and learning and, and finding new strategies or tactics or whatever it is. With each other And I think that's a really Really cool thing That we get to do Yeah
1: So Kansas That's yeah. exciting Are you guys planning For that like I don't know what their seasons are like, for, like from a date standpoint But are you thinking Like November time frame You'll be down there
3: Yeah I think we We come back on the 12th I know yeah. that It's like the yeah. 4th through the 12th 5th through the 12th Something, something like back.
2: that yeah. So yeah. Get back right before Rifle yeah. opener Or I shouldn't say Rifle opener You know we're in Michigan Gun opener Gun yeah. opener yeah, yeah. All those south of the shotgun line, people. Ugh! Did you know? Did you know that the Southerners call us the the rifle
3: line? They they misdefine the, the shotgun line. line. It is a shotgun line because we get to hunt yeah. like normal people with Yeah,
1: yeah exactly. They're... Yeah, for the longest time, I didn't even know that you could that you had to hunt. I mean, this is when I was young, obviously. Yeah. But that you know, in certain parts of the state, like you couldn't hunt with yeah, like a traditional rifle. Like you had to use yeah a shotgun but now i mean things have evolved in some of these like 350 and 450 like bushmasters or whatever like i mean it's it's yeah you can reach out and touch something for
3: my tc on muzzle loader is basically a rifle yeah yeah, so yeah exactly
2: yeah. so you um, you've asked us a, a lot of questions this evening and yeah i've got one to come back back to you with is uh how do you feel about the the tag system here in Michigan? For, oh my
3: God. For... We yeah. made it this far, and now we're going to start a fight yeah. on the podcast.
2: Yeah, well, you know, I feel like this is something that uh, Michiganders, and, and I, I apologize if you're listening, you're not from Michigan, but maybe you're going to learn something new. Um, I feel like this is something that's important for us to talk about. You know, you speak, we speak about Kansas and why Kansas is one of those states that people, you know, actively try to get tags in because they have monster bucks why is that well it's because their tag system isn't all jacked up like ours is well i almost dropped it, almost dropped
1: it. <laughs> you were close it's not
2: all messed up like ours is um you know how do you feel about uh the tag system here with with the 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 combo tag and then you know up to 10 doe tags
1: so the antlerless deer i'm oh i'm okay with a lot of antlerless deer mm-hmm. um being able to get a lot of antlerless tags because we certainly do have a surplus of antlerless deer, especially in certain regions in certain areas of the state, right? Like I think we need to try to reel those numbers in as best as possible. You know, obviously the, the goal of like, if you look at like QDMA is what it's like a one-to-one ratio, right? Yeah. Which we know is, is a pipe dream, but it's, it's always something to work towards. I've certainly benefited from the two tag system when it comes to bucks. Yeah. I would not be upset if we went to a one-tag, like a one-buck, one-tag state. I would not no. be. Because, I mean, you see, and this is, you know, going to like social media, like uh, what's the uh, what's the account that always has just big bucks on Michigan, especially? Am I Buck puller? Right? Thank you. Am I Buck puller? right. And, you know, they get obviously flooded with submissions from, from guys sure. and gals and whatnot. But you'll see guys who have – you know, two probably two and a half year old bucks. Yeah. You know, and, and don't get me wrong. Like, I, I'm not going to criticize someone for the buck that they shoot, right? Like, like right. I, I, I agree with the guys from, you know, um, from the okay hunter. Like, take what is going to oh, make yeah. you happy, kind Absolutely. of Absolutely. But when you're doing that, and you shoot one, and then ten minutes later, you know, you read the, the caption of it, and it's like, yeah, I shot this one, and then two minutes later, another one walked right out, and I dropped that one. And he's got, yeah. you know, two, you know, younger deer he took out of the population in a matter of 10 minutes, right? Yeah. Or if if we're not going to do a one tag system, I think you need to earn your second one. Yeah. Like, uh, was it Wisconsin that does that? I, I think
3: they used to, they okay. got where they wanted to be. So it's, there's no earn a buck.
1: Yeah. Anymore. So I'm okay with if For some reason we ever do go to a one, one buck, one tag um, for an antler, an antler deer. I would be more than fine with that because
2: yeah. uh, sounds like you're, you're pretty much on pay or on par with us. I apologize for putting you on the spot. Like no, that. no, it's it all good amounts. you uh, you know, your yeah, it's your, okay. Your feelings about the this, people need to know <laughs> what the, the fact of the matter is if, and I understand a lot of local hunters probably don't want, uh, you know, folks from out of state coming up here and, and hunting and whatnot, but Ultimately, what's what's good for the goose is good for the gander. If we can get more out-of-state tags that cost more money coming here to Michigan and seeking Michigan as a place to go hunt, you know what what that does? It just drives our conservation dollars up every single year. So, you know, I think we see it as as an advantage to be able to have better, bigger bucks, you know, get rid of some of the doe population. You know, if you blow a grunt call here in Michigan, you're going to scare everything away. You're not going to yeah. call anything in,
1: you know. No, so no tactics it, like, like, wh- like the the approach that you guys will take in Kansas is far different than the approach right. you would take here in Michigan, right? Like, well, it, I it's didn't
3: funny Dan how to use rattling amps, yeah, because he was he was like tackling them together like they were glass, and I was like, no man, like these deer are angry, yeah. They're but that's just you it. gotta like, get after it.
1: How yeah. often do you hear of guys in Michigan like really rattling in yeah. a buck? right like Unless it's you're
3: in livingston washington county yeah. area is, yeah jackson county
1: road. yeah like yeah. it's it's rare right it's just it's there's so much pressure especially in certain areas that yeah, yeah you, you sneeze and deer are like nope yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean
3: yeah. so yeah, yeah, yeah i think there's certainly um most deer in michigan have to compete for food not for breeding yeah breed.
2: right They have yeah. To
3: compete for food and that's not a territorial thing that's a just keep walking until you find it.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Sebastian, Dan, this was awesome. I really yeah. enjoyed the hell out of this. I appreciate Thank you guys you. making some time. Um, yeah. Love to get you guys on again in the future. Maybe after Absolutely. your Kansas hunt, share some stories yeah, and, um, love
2: yeah. To.
1: Yeah.
3: Love to. yeah, yeah. yeah well, I appreciate really, it guys. We need to air that one a little bit later. <laughs> get it in That's fair. Like 10 PM yeah, time slot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right, guys, well, have yourself a good night. And again, I appreciate you joining me. Thank you. Thank
3: Thanks you. for having us. We appreciate it. Appreciate yeah, it. Absolutely.
1: All right. Well, there you go, guys. Another episode. Uh, thank you again to Dan and Sebastian for joining me uh, on today's episode. Uh, I would also like to thank 2% for Conservation. Uh, and if you're interested in learning more about 2% for Conservation, you can visit their website fishandwildlife.org. And And over there, you're going to see all the certified brands that have committed to conservation that you should support when you shop. I also encourage you guys to give 2% a follow on social media where it's going to be only positive conservation-driven content that lands in in your feed. So it's uh, something you will certainly enjoy. So again, if you'd like to learn more about 2% for Conservation, you can look for them online on social media or at fishandwildlife.org. Thanks for joining me this week, everyone. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Uh, Stay tuned. Got another great one coming for you next week. Um, But until then, stay safe out there. And remember that conservation starts with you.